0: I, uh, what I was gonna say was, and I don't wanna waste my time because I have uh, 45 minutes, and uh, no, I'm just kidding because you're going back into table session. But I wanted to say that what I loved, I, I would have I sat in more worship. How many, how many of you felt that? Listen, can I say this to you without you being offended? Because I know I probably won't come back for a while. I'm, Pastor Jake's gone, and I know that Abby's sitting over there and she's monitoring, and somebody's videoing right now. So it'll probably go viral. But I want to say this. The problem with this culture in this generation today is there's a problem with a thing called meism. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I'm just going to speak my heart and I could care less. I mean, be honest with you. Because I know the gospel of Jesus Christ penetrates everything. And it changes and it disrupts all of our thinking. But the problem in our culture right now, millennials, I love you but culture doesn't love you. Culture calls you cupcakes. I don't know how many of you watch news and you listen to news, but they call you a cupcake generation. And I know now you're offended. I didn't call you that. That's what they're calling you. And the reason why they're calling you a cupcake generation is because you can't make your own stinking mind up. You can't, because you're always persuaded by somebody else. You know, I used to always think it was junior hires that couldn't make their minds up, but no, they'll follow anything. You give them a ho-ho, and they're all in. How many know what a ho-ho is? You give them chocolate. You give them ice cream. Every junior hire will spit. I'm just telling you straight up. But the problem is, is we're stuck in a meism. We're stuck in our own stuff. That's why when Tiffany begins to sing, and we're, we're experiencing this move of God, and some of you aren't moving, and some of you aren't getting in, it, it's because it's all about you. So go ahead and throw something. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm walking all over this culture right now. I'm walking all over city to city. God's opened doors for me. I've youth pastored for 31 years. I'm, I'm in my 32nd year. Not, not just doing youth, but I'm, I'm going everything. I'm called of God to go all over the country now, all over this nation. I just got back from the Bronx of New York. You ever want to go somewhere crazy, all of you? Maybe, maybe one of the tables might say, can we go with you next time? Because I would love to take you to the inner of the inner and then see what you do because that'll be true on who you are, because you can't hide. You can't hide from the devil, because he hates you, and he shows up. And when you're preaching, it's a demoniac that walks to you, and he's foaming, and he's got a needle stuck out of his arm, and he's like blaspheming you, and all you do is say, in the name of Jesus, shut up, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you watch him freeze, and all of a sudden, they, they begin to melt, and they walk backwards, because we have the power of God that can change culture. But the problem is we're so stuck in me and my bills, my college tuition, my home. My girlfriend just broke up with me. I lost my dog. And we are so stuck on this that we forget about why we're at tables. Your tables are launching pads for you to get out of of your comfort zone to do something for what your purpose really is. And the purpose is not for you to get mad and angry, Bird, but it's to be able to bless somebody else beyond yourself. So if you're mad, then stay mad. But I'm happy. Because I love Jesus. And I learned a long time ago with no father in my home, that I can do greater things than my dad not being there. And I was eight. I learned that I can change culture by one kind word or one handshake And it's not just a firm pat in the back because I don't know if you know this, but a firm pat in the back is usually about six inches from a stab in the back. I'm just saying. How many are if you're tracking? We just go. Okay, three of you. So here's what happens. It's all about finding someone who will help you along the way. Okay, let me say this to you, too. I, and I'm just getting this out there because I'm watching worship, and I'm telling you, I want to just run. I want to just be like, I don't even want to preach. I just want to be like, let's just go back to worship, and maybe we'll do that. I'm just saying, because worship, man, it stirs the soul. It's, it does something to you that you've had a long day. How many have had a long day? See, my days are longer because I'm so much shorter. My days are long. My days are really long. Like, my wife's at work, 12-hour shift. She gets home. I felt like I've worked 16 hours. She comes in dragging. I got her dinner ready. She's like, oh, what a long day. I'm thinking, I know. I know. What'd you do today? Took care of the dogs, cut the grass, We getting ready to preach this weekend. Randy, you have a cakewalk. I'm like, it's so long. Days are long. Nights are long. Things are long. Things happen and stuff gets in our lives and it messes us up because it clouds our thinking. It clouds our judgment and it clouds our heart. But I'm going to say this to you. Our America is not a problem with President Trump tweeting. It's a problem with people stating their opinion that never voted for a president in the first place, but you got something to say because you don't like him. The problem in America is not about the presidency. It's not about Hillary, whether she does. I wish they'd get on a boat and just go somewhere, find an island, and call it Clinton Island, and go somewhere. I'm just saying, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just saying, go there with the Obamas and do your thing, because you're done. You're done. Your time is done. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> See, and some of you have a problem with what I'm saying right now, because you're like... <laughs> The problem is in America is not about your opinion. It's not about drugs. It's not about addictions. It's not about habits. The problem in America is the heart. It's our heart. Our heart's messed up. Listen, can you remember to t- how many of you are dating? Anybody dating? Anybody dating anybody? You dating somebody? You two? Why aren't your hands up right now? What, are you ashamed of that? Are you serious? get rid of him, man, if he don't want to put his hand up. I'm just busting you, man. I'm just busting. Don't go out of here hurting. Man, I know what you're saying, man. I'm living in an old Dutch world. you all big. I'm just saying. Man, when I fell in love with my wife, people would ask me the first time I ever saw her, first time I, man, you like somebody? I'm like, mm-hmm. How long you know? 20 minutes. But I wasn't going to tell her that. I'll be married 32 years this year. You don't think my baby is everything to me? Let me say, she's not only everything to me. She gets me up in the morning with my Jesus. She gets me on my way. She teaches me what I don't know. That's my woman. So you're dating somebody, right? Listen, when you're dating somebody, it all starts out to be like this. Oh, man. I gave away my heart. And then what happens when stuff falls apart? She broke my heart. She didn't break your heart. Yeah, bad breath, dude. Get a mint. But the problem is we don't want to be so close to somebody because we don't want to give our heart and let our heart be broken. How do you think Jesus felt when he went to the garden and he said, Lord, is it your will that this cup pass from me? He wasn't saying I'm not going to do it, but he was saying, is there another way? Because he's about to endure the punishment that no man ever deserved. No woman ever deserved. His heart was broke on the cross. It was pierced and they said it exploded on the cross. But the blood that was shed for you and I gives me a heart to do the right thing, to stir the right way, to move the right way, to talk the right way, to know this. My purpose is about Jesus. I'm old, man. My purpose is almost done. Not yet, but almost. But here's the problem we have today in America. It's a heart issue. I want to talk about three things and I'm going to get out because you're like, get off. Number one is be devoted to one another. And I'm going to show you some scripture. Romans chapter 10, verse 12. Is that what you do? you take notes? You'll, well, you got it right in front of you. So you Start throwing stuff. Thank you, brother. It's right, right there. Romans chapter 10, verse 12. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another. Mm. I don't know what it says. Do you know what it says? Honor one another. Other Brotherly. Brotherly. And that's not Spanish. <laughs> Honor one another above yourself. That means get you out of the way. Okay, when I get me out of the way, meism out of the way, because it's all about me, I want me. It's almost like this one. My, my, anybody ever hear this, this term that says, find a can, can all you can, and then hide a the can? Okay, let me, let me give this to you. Um, my mother, um, her neighbor, when she was living in Niles, Michigan, her neighbor passed away. And he was a hoarder. the The husband was a hoarder, so the wife now is all by herself. And the husband hoarded, hoarded, hoarded. And the downstairs, when they went downstairs to take clean the house up, to maybe sell some stuff and move on, and maybe make some money or have an auction or whatever, she said, "I don't know. There's much there, but I think that um, my husband has secret places and secret things." So they were cleaning out everything, and they got everything outside, and they had a garage sale for like three weeks. Stuff was happening. I'm serious. They had an auction and everything going on. But there was a secret room that my mother was like, is there anything in here? It was like a Michigan crawl space. Okay. And she's like, is there anything in here? She goes, no, there can't be anything in there because my, I don't know how my husband would have gotten there. And I was like, my mother's like, well, can we check it? Do you have a flashlight? So they looked in there and there were all these cans, like different size cans. And, and they always complained. The husband always complained about not having enough money not being able to pay for everything, and this and that. Well, all the time, he worked a great job, and he had all kinds of things going. And they began to pull these cans out, and there were about 22, 23 cans, different shapes, different sizes. And in one of the cans were the most uh, outrageous, like, collection of coins that they've ever seen. And then there was rolls of $100 bills in some of the other cans, and then there were certificates of things, and there were, like, um, the, a collection of, like, uh, stamps and everything, and they took it, and they took the value, and I'm making this story really condensed, but after they did all their homework and everything, there was about $275,000 that were in a Michigan basement that the husband never told the wife, and now, now she's like, I want to kill him. <laughs> my mom's so cute. My mom's like, um, but he's not here anymore. Like, no kidding. And so she's like, are you serious? All this time we suffered and we did this and we did that. See, here's the problem. That person was not about his partner. It was all about him. In fact, it wasn't even all about him because he could care less about her. He died and gave away everything he had. The inheritance she found, she could have shared with him if he would have allowed it. Being devoted to one another is this. It means in the Greek, it says to mean fondly, affectionate. Man, I am so devoted to my wife. And I know you all be like, why you talk like that? Because it's 32 years allowed. I dated her for two and a half years before I married her. Why do you want to date her for two and a half? She made that stipulation. I wanted to marry in six months. She's like, if you love me, wait a year. Guys, when they say that, just go. If you really let me wait another year, unless you ain't making no money, then (laughs) get out. Girl, you crazy. She said, wait another year. I was like, two years? What's wrong with you? I was 25 years old. I was burning up. I'll say it to you. I never had sex before marriage. I was like, "Brandon, come on, girl. Don't look at me crazy. I got a license for this thing now. I'm talking to people, I'm talking to young people, millennials, right? You're mature adults. I'm not talking to junior hires. <laughs> I'm talking to people that are married or getting married. I'm just telling you straight up, we have a license and it's okay to have sex whenever you want. I'm just saying being devoted to my wife is fondly affectionate. It means this, I've sold out to her. In the scripture, it talks about somebody who was so fondly affectionate with his own brother that he led his own brother to the man named Jesus before himself, and his name was Andrew. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was the one of the two that heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing, verse 41, the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. Remember, his name was Simon. that wasn't turned into Peter yet. We have found the Messiah, that's the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and says, Your name, you are Simon, son of John. You are today called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And we all know what happens after that, because here's what relationship with God and Peter, Peter became really the number one disciple. Because God says, Upon you, Peter, which is Petros, which means rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. How many know what I'm talking about? and so he fell in love with peter because peter came to a place of acknowledgement and he was real with jesus peter was nuts stinky fisherman god we we've been fishing all day throw them we've been fishing throw them okay they threw the nets and all these fish and he's like man snap who are you who are you he said follow me i'll follow you anywhere now i'll make you a fisher of men though peter not fish and i will establish my church and you know what happened when peter denied christ three times." Jesus didn't turn his back on Peter he came back to Peter and said listen I know you messed up I told you you'd mess up Co-co-co-co-co! you heard the crow that was co- yeah it says that in the Bible the crow cocked three t- right come on now How I many know in scripture you just don't like my crow I know what's up with you And the Bible says that Peter heard this, and he began to get out, and people began to accuse three times he denied Christ. But here's what Jesus does. Jesus reestablishes and reconciles him. And then he says, Peter, you don't understand, man, I'm leaving. And I told you guys, when I leave, Andrew, thank you for bringing me Peter because he's a big mouth. He's crazy. He's nuts. He'll deny things. He'll even mess up. But guess what? He'll cut a soldier's ear off. How many knew what I'm talking about? When they came to get Jesus, Peter like, you ain't, and he's like, Peter, Pe- man, Peter, stink, man, what's wrong? Ha! I'm telling you, when he put that ear back on that soldier, you think that soldier heard every stink and moan of every dog and cat 17 counties away. That guy heard better than he ever heard. Why? Because of the touch of Jesus. And then Jesus dies. He's, he's ascending in the kingdom. And Peter in Acts preaches his first message. And what happens, you guys? 3,000 people get saved the first time you ever preach. Don't tell me that you can't get busy. Don't tell me that you can't be like Peter. Don't tell me that you can't go down to Rosa Park and you can't proclaim the gospel. Don't tell me that you're around these tables and you're going to be selfish enough to say, Are we having a hot dog cookout this weekend? That's cool. That's cool to let this group do that. That's cool to come to my house and do things at my house. That's cool to go to beach together and do things. That's why you establish this, because this becomes a small group and you begin to pastor each other. And then you get a heartbeat for Jesus and you go downtown Grand Rapids and you start leading skateboarders and and kids that are less fortunate to you and people that you don't know that are er, dirty and ugly. Why? Because you're devoted to Jesus Christ. You are firmly committed and devoted affectionately to Jesus Christ. And when you can't say that, don't tell me you're a Christian. Not really, but it's talking about reaching. See, I I, I said to pastor Jake, I said, do you really want me to come? Because it's going to get ugly. I just want to encourage you get out of you. There's a lost and dying. That's why I, I watched one of the young ladies. I just met her at a camp. I did a family camp. Who does a I'm not even that old. I'm, I, can't, I didn't quit this. You're gonna be like quit hitting my mic. I did a family camp. All these little kids, older parents, 90-year-olds. It's all happening. I'm like, God, why'd you do this, man? Why am I family camp? And there's a group that came and sang, and the first time their daughter, she's 23 years old, non-married, beautiful young lady, can sing like anything. She goes on her first trip to Africa, first trip to help in an orphanage. I've been watching her on Facebook, and the transformation from her life that says this, all these years I've been singing the gospel, I've not done the gospel. All these years I've thought that I had it. I've been singing like a bird. I'm doing all these things, but I did not go beyond my four walls of my comfort zone. And now I'm in Africa. Now I can't get Africa out of me. These kids have attached to me. I've attached to these kids. I'm watching people come by the hordes to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've never preached in my life. I've only sang it. Transformation. When you get outside your four walls. Hmm, Because I'm going to say this. If you're poor today, and you don't work for Jesus, you'll be poor tomorrow. You're going to blame everybody else. My dad was like, no, 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 no. When you come to Jesus, he changed your DNA. You can't be an angry bird like, I have have an attitude because my mother. Well, first of all, quit smoking. (laughs) Sound like Bell's above. (laughs) Man, I, I... If I, if, I would have, if I would have taken everything my dad gave me, I'd never be here. If it wasn't for my Jesus. Number two is we have a responsibility. First Thessalonians chapter five. I'm almost done. You only have about two and a half minutes of me, and then you go to round tables. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse five says this. And you are all sons, and I'll put daughters, of the light and sons, daughter of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at the night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. Look, are you reading this? Do you see this? Thessalonians people are like I knew the scripture was. It's there. But since we belong to today, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith, and the love is the breastplate, and the hope of salvation is the helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Watch this, verse eleven. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So we have a responsibility, and that is to build each other up in the faith of the gospel. This—it's to awake your spirit. That's a responsibility we have. We got to awake somebody's spirit because there's there's a dormant. They're holding dormant. The spirit is dormant. Did you ever see somebody get excited going to a concert? You know what I'm talking about? You know why? Because there's nothing expected of you at a concert. Except you paid the ticket. Now watch, how many of you have been to a concert lately? How many have ever had a great time? How many have ever gone and it's like, man, this sucks. (laughs) Man, I don't know about you, but this is nothing what I thought. I paid $77 for this. No, we go to a concert, and if it ain't happening, we make our own stuff up. We start a beach ball. Because the bands are lame-o. It ain't happening. We're like, party! (laughs) Over by Engine 45. You know what I'm saying? You make your own stuff up, right? But how many of you know when you bought the ticket, you paid for the ticket, you better get what the ticket's worth? How many know what I'm saying? We have the responsibility because the ticket's already been paid. We're, sta- we're standing and sitting at the feet of Jesus God Almighty. The ticket's been paid. There's a concert going on. There's a welling up in my spirit that I have to give it to somebody else because you can become contagious. Oh, Contag- Contagious? Affective, not infective. Jesus Christ was not favored by culture, but he affected it. In fact, they hate him so much, they... Put him on a cross. They hung him. Why? Because he wasn't popular to them, but he affected culture. That's why today we're talking about Jesus Christ in a culture that says it couldn't have happened that way. There's no way Jesus. But then when I preach on the Bronx in the city, in the Bronx this weekend of New York, and there's a block party, and I begin to preach Jesus, you will not believe how many people come off their porches, out of the sidewalks in different places, just to hear what Jesus has to say. We're talking about people that are in porn shops. They're buying stuff, coming out of the porn shops, and all of a sudden they're hearing the gospel and they're trying to hide their packages of stuff. That's called conviction. Don't tell me that Jesus isn't alive or well. When the band begins to talk about Jesus and you've got demoniacs that are walking on the street, people that are so high that all of a sudden they get to the stage and they're like, where am I? What's going on here? And they get fed the gospel and then they get clothed by the, the organization. Then they get fed by the organization and then the church across the street says, bring you in because we're going to mentor you. That's what it's supposed to look like. That's when we get out of our comfort zone. So number three is we reach a lost and dying world for Jesus. Now I'm just going to close with this. Do we bring the band up or you go back in discussions? You go back in discussions? How long is that? Because I would love to go back into the band, that song again, and just have prayer with people at the altar at the end, if that's okay with you guys. I, I really want to pray over you. I want to pray a blessing over you, a prayer of power over you, unless you got to go to McDonald's or something. I don't know what happens. Maybe Jimmy John's. I'm, they ain't that freaky fast. I'm just telling you straight up. This is where we're at the national dilemma. Watch this. A generation of broken promises. A generation of no self control. A generation that says, I'm always falling short. I'll never measure up. I'll never measure up. A generation that says, I want to see miracles. I'm tired of hearing about them. I want to see them. But then we have a generation of not being afraid to be different. I mean, people are coming out of every closet that we've ever heard of because they want to be different now, they want to be heard. Everything that's happening. So let me give you a couple statistics and I'll close with one story. Am I okay? Is this okay? Are you sure? Nobody mad? Too bad. Here we go. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. I, I love his. place. It's my church. You're like, what? We never see you. Because I'm out all the time. I'm doing a lot of work for the kingdom. And when I come in, I was apologizing today to Dylan. Says, says, I haven't been in youth group because for three months, April, May, and June, I did an interim youth pastor for, at Novi. I would drive two and a half hours, preach to the youth group, and drive two and a half hours back every single Wednesday night for three months. I don't know about you, but that's a little bit of driving. Now, this month and next month, I'm doing an interim for Grand Haven, which isn't so bad because it's over at a beach. And so we're having all these beach parties with this youth group. Because I'm like, how come we're not out in the sun? We've never done it before. Let's do it. So we're on the beaches. We're cooking hot dogs. We're talking about Jesus. I love it. We've never done that before. It's like, are you serious? I would live here. That's why I'm getting so dark. <laughs> Let me give you a few statistics, and I'll finish with a story. 168 hours in a week. Those of you who are mathematicians, do it. 24 hours a day times 7, 168 hours. They say to 56 hours a week at 8 hours A day of sleep is 56 hours. Eight hours of sleep a day. How many of you sleep at least eight hours? You must not be college students. Here we go. You must not have a job. And so here's what happens. If we get eight hours of sleep a day, that's 56 hours a week we're sleeping, okay? 56 hours we're sleeping a week. Okay, 35 hours a week you're in school, college, whether high school, whatever. 35 hours a week you're in there. 60 hours a week. How many of you do social media? Some of y'all lying. You don't wanna put your hand up. You're like, you got a little chip going on. And say, Did you hear the new thing they're coming out with chips? Okay, I'm just saying, read Revelation, it's happening. This whole chip it here, chip it there, put a chip in. Okay, I'll de- 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 de. I put no chip in my hand. I'll smack you. Here's my picture. This is what I look like. Don't be like, boop, it's not gonna work with me. My skin's too thick, I'm Italian. If you do social media at 8.5 hours a week, you're like, I am not. Yes, you are. You're on your telephone or something for 8.5 hours a week, 60 hours a week, 8.5 hours a day. Don't tell me you're not on your telephone. Don't tell me you don't look at your telephone because some of you have been on it since I've been talking. I know where you're at. I see you. I ain't even cockeyed either. I see you. But watch this. Per week, you're only in church two hours. Two hours. And if you're here on a Sunday, you're here for like an hour. Because that's what we do. Jesus, what just happened? Go. Be on your way. We have quick stuff, two hours. So I finished with this. Um, I'm trying to stretch you. And so this is what Pastor Jake's trying to do. And what the cool thing about roundtables are, these become your small groups. When I was youth pastor in the First Assembly from 2001 to nine. I had a thing called huddles, and our huddles were our small groups. In fact, the youth pastor today, which is John Zick, came out of a huddle, and he was seventh grade when he started a huddle. And he was raised in, under my youth ministry, and he was raised under a guy named Shannon Sullivan. And now today, he's the youth pastor at Grand Rapids First Assembly, John Zick. And I'm so proud of him. Why? Because I know that I helped raise him. But it wasn't raised in my group. It was raised in his huddle. So Shannon took the huddle to his house. He took the shuttle, uh, the huddle, shuttle, and he probably took a shuttle to the huddle. And so that's almost, see, I'm in the city too much, I'm shuttling. And so what happens is, he takes him to homes, he takes him downtown, he takes him to meet people, and they transform and change people's lives. And that was the call of God to John, God, to John Zick's life, and that's why he's youth pastor today, because God so saw that I'm going to bring this kid back to Battle Creek. His whole family is Zick. they all went to Byron Center High School. I've known all the Zick's. And so this is what I say God says, but I didn't want to get stretched. When I first went to youth ministry, I was I was 26 years old, 20, t- turning 26 years old, and um, I was starting in Battle Creek. Anybody here, Battle Creek? Michigan, yeah, some of you. And it's uh, Kellogg's Corn Flakes, and there's a lot of them there. <laughs> really Franky people. And so, anyway, so, so I'm there, and, and, and my pastor wants to stretch me. You know, I'm trying to stretch you, as Pastor Jake's trying to stretch you, and to get out of your comfort zone. And he says to me, I need you to go to the hospital. There's an older person dying. Now I'm a youth pastor. I've only been on the job, like, maybe two months. I'm like, hospital? What do you mean go to the hospital? I didn't want to be a youth pastor. I told you this before if you remember me. I wanted to be a phys ed teacher. I wanted to get a dodgeball, knock a kid out in class, (laughs) break his face, and then pray over him. And they're giving me a countdown. Oh, now they're winding up. Okay, my bad. Okay, I'm finished with this one. Forgive me, Jake. He says, go to the hospital. I said, I want to go to the hospital. An old man. Can I go with youth? Can I go pray over young people? No, no. You're going to go. There's an old cranky man and you're going to have to go pray for him. I'm like, well, why don't you? Cause I, and I finished there because I was almost like, Why don't you? Because you're old. But how many know sometimes God gives you wisdom and then sometimes you have a spirit of dumb dum but wisdom sometimes prevails. And so I was like, Why don't you just, because you're, you're telling me to do it, I'm going. I turned it right around. I was like, I'm going. Okay, i go. I'll go. I'll go. It can't be that bad. The guy, how old is he? Pastor said he's in his 90s. I said, Thank you, Jesus. I honestly i said thank you jesus and the whole time i'm going there i'm thinking lord let him be asleep because then i can just walk in <laughs> sprinkle 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 boom. okay <laughs> greek a little bit <laughs> just do it annoying him and then just leave and then leave a card see you leave a card that way they know you've been there come on don't judge me i'm just saying See, yo, some of y'all do the same thing. Like, I leave a card, too. You ain't even leaving no money. You're just leaving a card. And it's your roommate's card. It ain't your card. You're getting off scot-free. So I walk in, and as I go to the hospital, I get on uh, the fifth floor or whatever it was, critical care, and I'm like, okay. So I'm walking, and I notice there's four nurses outside the room. And I'm thinking, well, four nurses outside? Because they told me where to go. And I'm like, ladies, listen, uh, how you doing? Good to see you. My wife's a nurse, too. It's really cool. Not this hospital. I'm here to see so-and-so, and and they're like, "Mm, you don't want to go in there. And I'm like, no, no, no. My pastor asked me to come up. You you do not want to go in there. I'm like, ladies, I have to go in there is he up? And they're like he's always up. Like that's why we're out here. And I noticed like like they were just very standoffish. and I was like what's going on? They go going at your own risk and I'm like going at your what nurse? What nurse talks like that? Going at your own risk. So I go into this room and and I the the curtains pulled and and I hear this, "Get out!" get out and he starts all this language the guy the guy literally is set, is 97 and he's yelling i'm like dude first of all you got some good lungs at 97 <laughs> and then bed pants throwing stuff water but i'm like well what the stuff's happening coming over get out i told you and he's cursing me out and i went around and i said wait a minute what are you doing dude like this guy had an arm I'm like, wait, you're 97, how you do that? How you do that? He goes, who are you? Get out, and he starts cursing me out, cursing me. I said, listen, stop it. Just shut up. He's like, who are you? I said, I'll tell you who I am. I came, I came to have prayer with you. Dude, you're wasting my time because you don't have enough time. I said, you serious? You're gonna have a stress, something's gonna happen. You throw the, it's gonna happen. I literally did that. My wife's like, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. First of all, you know why I did? Because I have the right to do it because he's throwing stuff at me. You know how bad I wanted to smoke him? I bam! Hey, he clean up on all five right in there, okay? He's just, I'm just telling you straight up. See, I live different. You're all like, ah! Listen, so... So I go in, I go in, I'm, and I sit down. I, can I pull a chair up? Yeah, whatever. And so hey, he's going to, like, I'm serious, like, from the bells of Beelzebub. <laughs> and I was, I was speaking to hell. I'm like, devil, in the name of Jesus. In my mind, in my mind. I'm not talking to him. In, my, in the name of Jesus. I like, Get behind me, Satan. And I watched his demeanor change. And I begin to spend time. Now, I'm in there for five, ten minutes now. And you can hear him going. And they're knocking. I'm like, I mean, I'm all right. You know, And they were trying to figure out maybe he strangled me or something. So I'm sitting there, and I start to ask him questions. Long story short, I get to know his name. And I said to him, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How did the world you get here? How would you become so bitter and hate God? You're 97 years old. You have one step to take a glory or one to hell in a basket. Tell me your story. So he starts telling me how... His mother died when he was a young boy and how he cursed God and his grandfather, his best friend died and he cursed God and his sister was taken in a bad accident on a farm and he just cursed God. He says, I'll never, I never want anything to do with God. He was seven years old when it started. And I said, all these years, ninety some, Yes. He said, I have built organizations, I have money, I have all kinds of money, I have everything, but I don't have one family member that comes to me. Not one family member, they've all denounced me. They they hate me. They don't come around. I said, well, I can see why. You are mean. But you're going to die without knowing Jesus. But I said, not on my watch. I know why I'm here. I'm purposed. I'm purposed to be here to tell you that Jesus loves you. And I'm going to walk out of this room, doggone, I'm going to walk out of this room, and you're going to know Jesus one way or another, I'm going to slap you. So before I left, I led him in a sinner's prayer. Weeping, just weeping, weeping. I went to leave, and he grabbed my hand. and I was like, man, how does this man have this much strength? And I know why, because I think God purposed me for that time. Listen, this guy was old. This guy's been in the community for years. I'm only at Battle Creek for three months. God chose me. But if I would have stayed in my comfort zone, I would have never gone to that place. If I'd have said, you know what I would have done? I would have smoked it. I would have said, you know what? Here's my card, Pastor. I'd have lied. I would have done something if I wasn't in the spirit. I would have. There's people to do it all the time. And they're called ministers because they're not willing to get dirty. I looked at him. I said, let me ask you a question. What do you have? What, what, one regret, one regret. I know you lost your, your wife. I know you lost your mother. I know you lost everybody's passed away in his life except for a couple of grandchildren. They hate me. I said, he says, if I could change 90 years. I was bitter. I hated God for 90 years. And he could love me like this. I said, brother, he loves you. You're going to kingdom now. You're going to kingdom. So I left him. Prayer and I left. The nurses are like this. Dad, I was in there for 40 minutes. I left. I said, God bless you. I'll see you another week. I want to check him out. So a week goes by. I go back up to check on him. And when I went back to check on him, they're like, you know, we moved him. I'm like, you moved him? But let me tell you something. Dude, this is amazing. I don't know what you said to him. I don't know what happened. But something snapped. Like, this guy became angelic. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, first of all, He passed. He passed two days after you were here, he passed away. And I've never seen anybody smile like this guy had a smile on his face when he died. And the joy of the Lord was all over him. I said, so what happened? They said, you don't understand. Here's the story. Let me say this to you. If you take time to get to know people, you're going to find a golden nugget somewhere. I'm not saying you minister to people to get something. But he, one by one, took four nurses and sat them down and asked their life story. He's nurse. Tell me your story, tell me your story, tell me your story. One nurse says, I have twin, twin boys. They're 16 years old. I don't know how we're going to pay for college. He said, give me my checkbook. And he wrote a $150,000 check. Now I know what some of you skepticals are saying. I know your mind just went there. Some of you went there. With, He's 97. He probably don't have a bank account. Because when I shared his story, in a church about three years ago, one of the kids said that ninety-seven. He probably don't have a bank account. I wrote a check. <laughs> Nobody's going to get him in trouble because he died. One hundred fifty thousand dollars is for your kids. Another woman, tell me your story. Well, my husband and I are in trouble. He lost his job and we owe money. How much you owe in your house? One hundred eighty thousand. Two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. One by one, he began to pay. He never got my name. I let this guy to Jesus. He didn't give me nothing. I left the card. This cataracts probably didn't see nothing. I'm just telling you, didn't leave me squat. I'm not bitter, yes I am. I thought, my lord, they're telling me the checks. So I'm thinking, oh, there's one coming, man. My wife, Lori, I'm getting three hundred thousand because I led the man to Jesus. Right? It wasn't even a buck three eighty. I was like, what is going on here? Not even a coffee card. But I'll tell you what my reward is: to see Herman someday in kingdom. I guarantee, with Jesus. My grandfather, my best friend, my dad, all those that have gone before, Herman's going to be standing there. I just know it. You know why I know it? Because that's what I seeded. What are you doing for kingdom? Are you really that devoted to one another? Do you understand the responsibility? See, listen, you can't shun the responsibility. You can't say it's somebody else's. I'm not going to do it because you're here for such a time as this, where if you miss this, the next generation will not get anything. You have passed the generation over and you talk about, listen, I didn't get anything. My dad didn't. I know. But quit blaming somebody and run to the cross. Quit thinking of you. Think about somebody else. Think about my responsibility because this is the problem. I'm saying an entire culture of millennials. And I know you're not here, but the entire culture of millennials, no one wants to take responsibility. Was it Kathy Griffin? Which one's it, Gifford, whatever, the, the comedian? Decapitates a president, whatever. Funny. All of a sudden, now nobody's hiring her. He, 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 he did this to me. No, you did that to you. You're the knucklehead that did that because you don't like somebody. So you don't want to retake responsibility. Here's what I'm closing with. Just take the responsibility to do the right thing. Even when it doesn't make sense, do the right thing. I did the right thing that day, and I was no regret for it. And when I went back to tell my pastor, and he's like, you're going to visit him? I'm going back, pastor. Why? Because I made a new friend in Herman. What are you doing for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And what are you going to do around your table that's going to outshine any other table, take the responsibility to my table is going to be the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because the core of this table number three is all about the number three. Come on, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's there. Your table's anointed. I don't know about the rest of you, but that's anointed. (laughs) Father, today, tonight, God, God, I pray that just one person gets it. God, before we go to discussions at our table, which will be the question is, are we taking enough responsibility to do what God's called us to do? That's the question at the tables. Are we doing enough to do enough to reach past ourselves, to change culture one person at a time? God, there is nobody in this room that's made of junk. Nobody. Because once we find Jesus Christ, we are somebody to you. We are joint heirs We are sons and daughters of the master. We have royal blood running running through our veins. We are not junk. I don't care how many mistakes I've made. Herman made so many mistakes in 90 years, but God, you rescued him, and now he's in kingdom. Why? Because he chose at that moment to accept you and give away 90 years of junk. We might have nine years. We might have nine, nine months, we might have done something so stupid that do you think nobody ever God says, not only forgive you, not even forgive you, but I'll forget about it and just keep going on. Now I purposed you. In Jesus' name. Amen.